0: I have a question for you today. Have you ever been so scared of the future because it was so uncertain that you were almost paralyzed by analysis? That whatever mountaintop you were to climb in this life, you, you couldn't see the top and you didn't know what was up there and you weren't sure what was going to happen. And so you begin to doubt what God could do. And you kind of found yourself at the base of life, not able to move forward. Today... We're going to see that kind of circumstance in the scriptures. We're going to see what seems to be a circumstance where it's impossible to move forward. It's impossible to move towards what God has because it demands so much. And the reality is, is a lot of us stop moving forward in life because we're not sure that what we need is going to meet us when we get there. And so we, we start to analyze and we start to run through all of these parameters of how we're going to do this. I was thinking about this, and um, when I went to Liberty, I applied to Liberty two weeks before classes started. And I sent in my transcripts overnight, and I got provisionally accepted and then accepted into the program. And so when I went to go to leave to head to Liberty, I didn't have a dorm. I didn't know anyone at the campus. I didn't know my major. I didn't know what classes I was going to take. I didn't know how I was going to pay for school. And so there was a lot of unknowns. And when we got up there, I remember there was a time we were in a hotel. My parents were up there with me. And it was like the day before or the day of that you were supposed to go and start to sleep in your dorm um, because you're doing freshman orientation. And I remember getting there and I kind of like, Anyone gotten in over their head before? And so I got in over my head and then I, as right when I was about to enter in to the season, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how this is going to work out. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And I don't know what am I going to do? And in that moment, I was like, you know what? Let's just head back. No harm, no foul, right? Just a couple days of hotel. Okay. But let's head back. I I don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is too much for me. And then my mom looked at me and said, look, it's going to work out. Everything that you need is going to be okay. You just need to get to the dorm today. You just need to to stay the night. You just need to be there and it's all going to be all right. Everything that you need is already there. And as I thought about that, I, I didn't know what the provision that I was going to need or what it looked like. But in that moment, I began to believe that there was provision for me wherever I was headed. And today, that's exactly what I want us to look at as we look at maybe now one of the most famous names of God because it's been popularized by songs. It's Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is translated as the Lord who will provide the Lord who provides. And so today, what I want us to look at is, are you believing in the provision of God for wherever you're headed? I mean, like for some of us, the mountaintop that we're looking to climb right now is healing emotional hurts or physical hurts. And the reality is you can't see the top of the mountain yet. You can't see what is up there. And so are you believing that the God who provides will provide everything you need to heal at the top of the mountain? Maybe it's trust and your trust has been broken with others or, or in your life or with churches or all of these things. And so you're at the base of this mountain going, man, I got to learn to trust again, but I don't know if I'm going to have everything that I need. When I get up to that mountaintop, I don't know the way I don't know the past. I don't know how to do this and I'm scared or maybe it's just starting something new or starting that new job or maybe God is just calling you to trust him and you don't know what to do. And and the reality is for so many of us, we get paralyzed because we don't know the whole journey. But if you knew the whole journey, it would scare you. I tell people all the time that saying ignorance is bliss is so true because if I knew what it would take to plant this church five years ago, you probably wouldn't be in the room. If I knew like the sleepless nights and the heartache and, and all of the things that go into planting a church, I would have been like, I don't know about if this is the mountain I want to climb. But the reality is, is what I really needed was the provision of the next step. And for a lot of us in here, as we begin to engage with what is that mountaintop that God is calling you to climb to that place that seems like he's asking so much from you and we're not quite sure if the provision's going to meet us when we get up there. What is that for you? And, and really, what I want us to look at today is not only the God who provides at the mountaintop, but the God who provides at every step of the way. See, some of us want to know the whole journey, but you just need to know the next right step. And for a lot of us in this room... We've been waiting on the next right step until we can see the end of what's happening. And so I want us to talk about that today as we look at this story in the book of Genesis chapter 22. We're going to be looking at Abraham. And if you know, like we've been following Abraham quite a bit in this series. Because Abraham faces some things in this life that a lot of us don't. And he, he becomes this archetype for us in this life. And Abraham's really a trailblazer. Abraham is used by God to do some things that no one has ever done before or faced really before and to do some new things. And so what that means is a lot of Abraham's life is go here and I'll I'll provide when you get there. I'll take care of you when you get to that place that I've called you to, but I'm not going to reveal every part of the story here today. And we see through the life of Abraham, his wisdom begins to grow. His ability to trust God and see what God has done in his life and how God has provided for Abraham time and time again kind of comes to a culmination in this story. And so what happens is, is Abraham is, is he's had Isaac who's he been praying for, for generations and, and for years and decades and, Now he has Isaac, and God calls him to do something that is so almost unimaginable to us that we struggle with this. I was reading one commentator, and they said, this is the part of the Hebrew Bible that people struggle with the most. This right here, this passage that we're going to read today is what most people struggle with understanding this story. And I believe we're going to give some insight today that you're going to see it's really a story of hope and triumph of what God can do in our lives when we're obedient to him. So listen here in Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Everyone say Moriah. Moriah is going to be really important for us in this story and the end of the Bible as well sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So I want you to take your son to an unknown land, the son that you've been praying for for decades, and I want you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. What's a burnt offering? A burnt offering is an offering of totality. It means there's nothing left behind. Everything was consumed and it was all given to God. It's not where we give a tent. It's not where we give a portion. It's not where we're, a part of a portion is there and then it goes to others. This type of offering is a total offering. It is laid at the feet of God as this is fully and wholly yours. Nothing is left behind. The offering gives all of itself. And so Abraham, I mean, could you imagine just for a second getting that phone call? Hey, It's God. I need you to do something. I need you to go to a foreign land. Okay, I've done that before. No problem. I want you to take Isaac with you. Okay, you got something to teach him. Cool. You're going to sacrifice Isaac, and he's going to be not a partial offering, but a burn offering. Totality. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think Abraham has some need that arose, <laughs> do you not? But here's one of the very first things about the provision of God. Let your need define your provision, not your want. That's exactly what happens to Abraham in this story. Abraham Doesn't let his want define his need. He allows, like like his wants go away. His need becomes what he needs for provision. I mean, if it was wants, it would be like, well, can't you provide something else? Can't you do something else? Can't we? I want to live with Isaac for a very long time. What about all the promises that you gave me that through Isaac, the nations and world and descendants would be blessed? Like, what what do we do with that, God? I don't understand how this works. Has anyone ever been in a place in their life where God called you to do something that you didn't understand? Where you go, man, that just doesn't make sense to me. That seems like too much. That seems like you're asking a lot. And I don't know how I can, I can't do this in myself. I don't know if I can make that sacrifice. I don't know if I can move to that place. I don't know if I can do this. You're asking so much of me right now. And what I realized is the place where we get anxiety in what God has called us to do in this life is the place where we don't believe his provision is going to meet us. I mean, if I told you, hey, Bob, you're going to need to move to Alaska tomorrow. You're like, wow, what am I going to do? And I told you, but hey, when you get there, there's $10 million waiting for you and your family. You can buy a lot of happiness with $10 million. If we know that the provision's there, we're like, okay, this is hard, but I can go. The hard part is when we don't know if the provision is going to be there. And God does not promise Abraham in this story that there's going to be provision waiting for him. He just calls Abraham to do it. But just remember, Abraham's walked with God for a really long time. And sometimes when we don't understand what God is doing, we need to believe in who he is. Because who needs to define what? And so sometimes like when our kids are rebelling, any parent who has been in here, you've told your kids not to do certain things, but you don't have time to explain why you're asking them to do certain things, correct? So what are you asking them to do? When you say, hey, don't do this. Why? Because I'm your dad. And I said, so what are we banking on in that story? We're banking on, I need you to believe in who I am, not what I'm saying, that who I am and how much I love you and how much I care for you needs to override your fear of a lack of provision of the future. Because what I'm telling you is a good, good thing, you just don't see it yet. You know what's interesting about this story that I think is so gracious to Abraham in the story is the language and the cadence used to call Abraham to sacrifice Isaac is the same language and cadence used to call Abraham out of Ur-Ur to the land of Canaan. So here's what this would have done for Abraham. This sounds familiar. Oh, I've been in this kind of situation before. Because what this means for Abraham, when you sacrifice your son, it's not that you're just losing your son. The totality of his future goes away too. This isn't just one death of Isaac. This is the death of the line of Abraham. This is the death of his family. Similar to when you move from one place to another when you have nothing. And Abraham goes, okay, I've heard this before. I'm going to go. And what Abraham allows to happen is his wants go out the door and his needs are met. And let me just tell you something, church. God is always going to meet your needs before he's going to meet your wants. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you, he's going to give us what is best before he'll give us extra, right? God's not the God who gives us dessert before dinner. Okay? A lot of us want dessert before dinner. Knowing the whole story is the dessert before the dinner. But let me just tell you, if you knew the whole story, a lot of us wouldn't embark on it. A lot of us wouldn't embark on the story, in that marriage, in that relationship, in that job, having kids, all of it. If we knew the totality of what this would take from us we wouldn't be able to do it because we wouldn't see the provision that meets us and the grace that meets us when we need it the most. And so what happens here is Abraham goes and he, he begins to step out in faith. Look at what Genesis 22, 3 to 8 says. Early the next morning, Abraham did not delay. Abraham goes, this is the call, okay? I don't quite understand all of this. I don't know how this is all going to work. To think that there was not a doubt or a fear or a worry in the mind of Abraham is foolish. It's foolish, but it's what we do in the face of doubt, what we do in the face of worry, what we do in the face of the unknown. It's what is called faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God that you and I are on this faith journey. And so early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. That's the you know, modern day SUV. He loaded up the suburban. <clears throat> he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, could you imagine how hard that was? Every piece of wood that he cut was a reminder of what was to come. In the faith it takes to continue to walk forward in the midst of what seems like a certain tragedy. Let me ask you a question. What is God calling you to do right now that he's calling you to kind of till up and make what is going to be the sacrifice? Maybe it's that business, maybe financially you need to cut some things out of your life. Maybe some of you need to like let pride out of your life to save your marriage. Maybe some of you need to like let your old hurts get out of your life so you can parent your kids properly. Some of us in this room, you've got, you're chopping wood right now. And you're not willing to do the work to get to where the provision is going to be. And so what happens here is Abraham is cutting the wood, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place that God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Could you imagine the drop in his stomach that day? That's the mountain. Could we have just one more day? Could we have just one more minute? Could, we, could you help us walk slower? I don't know if you've ever prayed to God just to stop the sun for just a minute so you could just have another second. Okay. Okay. There it is, the mountain of my dread, but I'm going to choose to believe in the midst of adversity in who God is and not just what God is doing. And so what happens is, is on the third day he gets there, he sees this place in the distance and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go uh, and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham understands about his experience that what's about to happen in the place of great demise is also the place where God is going to do something great and it's going to be a place of worship. How do you get there? I call them long walkers. Some of you in here are long walkers. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time and there is a sense and a seasonedness and a purity and a holiness that is an air about you because you've been walking through Jesus and you give advice like this too shall pass. The worst thing doesn't always happen. God provides. And some of the young people in this room, we need to stop having, one of the greatest divisions in the church is the generational gap. It's a travesty. Because the reality is some of us in this room need the advice of the long walkers in the room. And some of the long walkers in the room need the intensity and zealous joy of loving the Lord again from the young people in this room. And the beauty is that God built us to help love and serve one another. And so what happens is, is Abraham is a long walker. He's been walking with God for a long time. Abraham took this, he goes over there and he says, you guys stay here, we'll be back, we're gonna worship. Abraham took the wood of the for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. This is important. This is going to connect Other stories in the Bible so clearly, like a thread for us. But what God does and what Abraham requires is, hey, Isaac, you're going to carry the instrument of your demise. You're going to carry on your back the thing that is meant to fully consume you. You're going to carry this up the mountain to this place that is unseen. So he gives it, and then Abraham himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" I think this is really a question of curiosity. I don't think Isaac is like, hey, you're going to kill me. Because how many of us know that ignorance is bliss sometimes? And for Isaac, one of the most gracious gifts that God has given him is not giving him the whole story yet. Because I doubt that Isaac would have walked up the mountain. Would you? You'd be like, I'm going to carry my own. Instrument of demise up this mountain? I'm not doing, what do you you mean? What is going on? But here's the reality that so many of us need to realize. Why was Abraham able to walk up the mountain in such faith? Because God's provision is before you. And so you're going to need to step out in faith to get it. A lot of us want the provision at the bottom of the mountain. And that's not the way that it works. The provision meets us in our greatest time of need. See, some of us aren't seeing the provision of God in our life because we're not willing to go up the mountain yet. And we're praying and praying and praying to ask to receive the provision that we need for this life. And God says, no, provision comes when you need it the most. It arrives. And so us like, man, I don't see God working in my life. I don't see God doing anything in my life. I don't see any of this happening in my life. And the reality is, is that the provision of God is waiting for you in your greatest place of need at the top of the mountain. And so you need that provision for healing? It's at the top of the mountain. You need that provision for trust again? It's at the top of the mountain. You need that provision to heal your marriage or your relationships or pray through your kids who are prodigal? It's at the top of the mountain. And a lot of us in this room are prolonging our suffering because we're not willing to take the next step of faith. Because anybody in here ever gotten something in the wrong season you didn't really realize how much you needed it? Anybody? Is anyone in here like, you got this great gift or this great bit of information or this great something in your life. And when you got it, you're like, what's the point of this? I think about young people all the time when parents buy them like, we bought you bonds or we bought you this. And they're like, "It's just a piece of paper. Why do I need this? And then when they go to buy their first house, house, like, that's why I needed it. But to them, it's just, okay, it's just money. Packed away, doesn't mean anything to my life. What does this really even mean until you need it the most? Maybe God has provision prepared for you that will only be open to you at the top of the mountain. And I know for a lot of us, this is the scariest thing to hear because you want it now. But how many of us know if we got the provision now because we didn't understand the story, a lot of us would throw it away. What's the point of that? Who cares about that? And so what happens here in the story is as God's provision is before you, you need to step out in faith. That's exactly what Abraham does. Abraham has needs. Abraham's needs are I need a different sacrifice. But in faith, I've met God on the mountain before. I've been to the top of the mountain before. And when I've gotten to the top, I've done the wrong thing for the right reasons. Ishmael. So in faith, I'm going to step out because I've walked with God for a very long time. I've learned to trust in who he is, not just what he calls. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see." If you're going to be a person who follows Jesus, you're going to go up mountains that you don't know what's at the top and you don't know the provision that's at the top. And Hebrews 11 says, you're in good company. Because faith is this assurance, this belief, this hope in what is unseen. That means you don't see the mountaintop, you don't know what's up there and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But because you believe in who God is, you will walk up the mountain for him. But we see what happens in the story is Abraham has this moment of peace. All throughout this, I am sure that there is an internal turmoil. I am sure that there is, is these moments that, I mean, I don't understand how this is going to happen. I'm sure that there's hesitations. I'm sure that there's times that he felt like, you know what, let's just turn back. Let's just turn back. Let's just, you know, like, I can't do this. And man, Isaac is even tired carrying the wood. Like, what are we going to do? But this is the beauty of when you walk with a long for a long time with Jesus. What God does in your life. Look at Genesis, starting in verse eight um, of chapter twenty-two. Abraham answered. So Isaac says, "So where's the lamb? Where's the lamb?" Abraham answered, "God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son." That's a pretty bold statement. That's a pretty faith-filled statement. That, hey, when we get up there, God's going to provide. God has something for us at the mountaintop. God has something for us, and God's going to do it. And could that maybe be a word for you and I? The lamb that you need, the provision that you need, is waiting for you at the mountaintop. But Abraham says this with confidence. He doesn't say, well, I hope there's a lamb when we get up there. This is going to be a bad day for you, son, if there's not. It's going to be a bad day for me, son, if there's not. What he says is God will provide. He will do it. And the two of them went on together. When they had reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar. Probably praying the whole time. Uh, anytime, anytime, anytime. And he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. On top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. His arms are above his head. And at Abraham's greatest moment of need, the voice of the Lord cries out. Not before, not a second sooner, but at his greatest moment of need, the Lord cries out. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Notice the same way he replied to the original call of God. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Same language used as previously, your son, your only son. God is emphasizing the totality and the immensity of the sacrifice he has called Abraham to make and for Isaac to make. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. Not only is the ram there, it's already pent up and ready for him. It's caught in a thicket by its horns. How gracious is God? Abraham didn't even have to chase the ram. God's provision was so complete, so right, so punctual, so available that it's like, here it is. I I can't lay it on a platter for you, but there it is. It's on a platter. And in Abraham's greatest moment of need, the greatness of God's provision provision met him right there. The grace of God met him right where he was. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. And to this day, on the mountain of the, uh, of the Lord it will be provided. He says this mountain now in the land of Moriah on Mount Moriah is now called the place where the Lord provides. Everyone say Mariah. Moriah. There's some interesting history here with the mountain of Moriah. So not only is Isaac almost sacrificed as a burnt offering on Mount Moriah, but this is the future location of the temple. It was on Mount Moriah that God told Solomon to build his temple. You know what else happens on Mount Moriah? Jesus is sacrificed on Mount Moriah. The perfect, spotless, only son of God is sacrificed on the very mountain where he spared Abraham. Do you think God is painting a picture for us Of the type of provision he provides, of his goodness and his timing, that he chose the exact mountain where Isaac was spared, where God's presence dwelled with his people, and where his own only son would die in the future. God is painting for you and I this immeasurable picture of his provision. But here's what we see. The provision of the past gave peace in the present. Abraham, because of his experience with God and his knowledge of who God was, not just I know him here, but he knew him here, allowed Abraham to walk up the mountain, to remember every time I've been called like this, God's done something miraculous. And some of us in this life are missing the miracle of God. Because we're not putting ourselves to the place where we need it. I remember in college, I would go to these classes. I had like a missions class. And we'd have these missionaries from all over the world show up. And like some guys crash planes, all this stuff. And they would always tell these miraculous stories of provision. And I remember being in college. And I was like, I want a story like that. I want a story of like God did some incredible things that you can only point at God and go, that was God. I want like a Gideon story. I I want something. I want an Abraham story. Where's the ram in the thicket? And what I realized is I wasn't living a life of faith that put me in positions where I needed it. And it wasn't the lack of provision of God in my life. It was my lack of faithfulness to what God had called me to do. I played it all so safe. I say this. Everyone wants a miracle until you need it. Everyone wants a miracle in their life until you need it. And then you're begging. It's one of the most beautiful and disastrous places to be in your life. And some of you in this room are getting to the point where you need a miracle. There's a ram in the thicket. Just wait. There's a ram in the thicket. Just wait. There's provision waiting for you. And when you're not sure how God is going to do it, we need to remember the provision of the past to believe for the future. And you're like, I don't have those moments in my life. This book is full of people who had those moments in their life. Isn't that gracious of God that he gave us people who were so imperfect, so hard to deal with, so stubborn, in such need? And everywhere, God is the hearer of the story. He has provided so lavishly for his people. But see... We get into this moment where in this story, we don't see the mind of Abraham, but the book of Hebrews lets us understand it. That same chapter, Hebrews 11, is all about faith. If you need some faith right now, Hebrews 11 is your book. You need to go and read Hebrews chapter 11, but we're let into the mind of Abraham in this moment, how could he be so confident in what God was going to do? Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 to 19, it says this. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned. This is the insight of what Abraham thought when he was up there. That God could even raise the dead. He, so this is the type of faith that Abraham has. Even if it, Isaac dies, I believe you can raise him from the dead. Even if I, the worst fear in my most need happens, you're greater than my worst fear in my most need. And I truly believe that I will not lose my son. Because you can raise him from the dead. Do some of us need to see the top of the mountain and you're dreading it because you think death is up there? But do you believe that God resurrects things from the dead? How do you get up the mountain? I believe God resurrects things from the dead. So I need to go in humility to the top of my mountain. And even though I may be right in my marriage, I need to go up in humility, knowing that my marriage could die, but God resurrects dead things. I need to go up there in my hurt, knowing that, man, this could kill me. This could get even worse. But I believe that God resurrects dead things. It had nothing to do with how great Abraham was. It had everything to do with the greatness of God. It is the greatness of God that got Abraham up the mountain. And Abraham had learned that there's something beautiful that comes with obedience. And there's disaster that comes with disobedience. And so as he goes up the mountain, he goes... Look, I don't know what's going to happen, but even if the worst happens, God can do better than the worst. And not only that, I know what happens when we don't obey and we don't walk. Abraham has more faith in the character of God than the current hell that he found himself in. That's the reality. He didn't have the promise of provision, but he believed in the God who provided God didn't say, and hey, when you get up there at the last second, I'm going to yell out. It's going to be, like, it could be a movie, right? It's going to be super theatrical, super tense. The music's going to crescendo. And then you're going to hear my voice, and there's a ram in the thicket. It's going to be awesome. Because what would Abraham do? Let's get up here, Isaac. Come on. Uh, Let me tie you up. Oh, I know you're scared, right? Let me put the wood up here. Okay. Ah! There he is. Okay. Here's the ram, right? Because what did that produce in Abraham, along with Isaac? Faith for that kind of moment. Faith for that kind of call. And some of us are not realizing that God wants to do an incredible work in your life because the mountain you're climbing now is nothing compared to the mountain you will climb later. But the provision you receive at the top of this mountain will be the faith steps that you need to go up the harder one. What God is preparing in you now is to get you ready for what is to come. And you know, the beauty of God is he loves you so much. He'll patiently wait for you at the top and he'll be with you at the bottom because he loves you. And I know that some of you now are at the bottom of the mountain or you're in the midst of the journey. And what is ahead of you seems like hell and you can't do this and you don't understand how and you don't understand why and you don't understand what and why was I called to this? And this is so hard. And what about like the easy Christian life? I like that one. And God says, I'm so much better than easy. I'm so much more beautiful than easy. Because man, this earth is not heaven, but I'm going to prepare you for what this earth has for you because I love you. Because of the hell that this earth can bring into our life, because of the hardship that this earth and sin can bring into our life, because I love you, I'm not going to allow you to be overcome because you have a work here, you have a call here, you have people to reach and people to love in this world. And so I'm, because I love you, I'm gonna prepare you. And so let me just ask you, do you have the kind of faith that is like this? Whatever happens next, God will do something good. Because I know God and I know how God works. And although this isn't aligning, with who I I think or how I think God should work. I need to disembark from that thought process and go, but I do know who he is. And some of you, like, you're facing something, but you're not asked to kill your only son. You're not. And God's provision and God's grace met him there. And let me just tell you something. We tell you this all the time. Like, God will provide for you. You're not unique. You're not the only person in the world that God's not going to provide for That's a lie from the enemy, to get you into fear. And when we get into fear, we do things that hurt us more. And so where are you in this life? Because here's the reality. There is blessing in obedience. That's where the blessing comes from. Blessing is in obedience. A lot of us want the blessing and not the obedience. Right? Right? Like we want like, well, I just want to watch TV all the time, but I don't do my chores kind of, like that's my kids. I want all the blessing, none of the none of the problem. But that robs the blessing, doesn't it? I mean, even people are like, man, why would, why did Jesus have to die such a brutal death? Because of the immensity of the blessing it is to know Jesus Christ. You rob the beauty in the intensity and the immensity of the cross if you Rob it from all of its wrath and all of its death and all of its gore. It, it magnifies the beauty of the blessing it is to know Jesus. It's not just like Jesus lived for you, so believe. It's Jesus died for you, and he rose again. And God gave his son for you, that whoever would call upon his name, whoever would confess him as Lord, will be saved. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. Because there's blessing and obedience. Look at what happens at the end of this chapter. It was never promised to Abraham. Notice. The, the, the kind of, and this is what we do in Christianity a lot. We kind of tease people with the blessing. Well, there's a lot of blessing. And a lot of blessing. God, God's going to give you your best life now. He, he will, but he's also going to give you your best eternity. But some of us are going to need to go through hell here. It's just the truth. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. It's truth. If God's own son was not spared of the wrath of this world and the wrath of sin and all of these things, then why should we expect to be? Because God produced something so beautiful in Jesus that saved us. We can expect that he'll do the same for us. Because he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord who provides. He is the Lord who, who meets all of our needs in exactly the way that we need them met. But what happens at the end of this book in verse 17, it says this, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth, every single nation that will ever exist will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The obedience that you need now Is to take the next step of faith. To walk up the mountain you are so dreading. And God's provision. Will meet you. Every single step of the way. And when you get to the place. Of your deepest need. There will be a ram in the thicket. But you won't get to the ram. Until you get to the top. And you won't get to the top. Until you start taking those steps. Of faith now. It's just you're worried that he's not up there and him here to tell you he's waiting for you at the top of the mountain. What Mariah is in your life, healing, trust, fear, anger, regret, shame, financial issues. I don't know what it is, what Mariah you face, but God does some pretty incredible things on Mariah. And so, not only is what he does here is he provides and he gives this, but it's really the miracle is on the other side of obedience. The blessing is on the other side of obedience. And that means believing in Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide the Lord will do what only he can do. In fact, that word gyra is similar to the word to see, but it means to see the totality of your need. Why do you think God would call for a burnt offering? Because it's a totality. It's everything. And so what is God saying? I will totally take care of your entire need. Not part of it, not a portion of it, the entirety of it. I will take care of everything. And so here's what I want us to understand and what I think we see in this passage. One commentator says this, when Abraham calls God Jehovah Jireh, he's not just saying God gives the goods. He gives the goods. He's saying you see and experience all this need of mine and you make provision for it. You see it all. You experience it all. You know it all and you make exactly what I need for what I am coming into. And it's deeply, deeply personal. And here's what I want to say. God's provision is in a package. A lot of us are missing what God is doing in our life because we're looking at what he's doing in everybody else's. Well, why don't you do that and this? And you gave them that and this and this. And you're missing how God is providing for you in your need because your need isn't their need. Because there's five Ps of provision. You ready? Write these down. I made them five Ps so you could remember them. But here it is. God's provision is plentiful. It's more than enough. God's provision is particular. It is for the need that you face yourself. And now it is personal. It is for you. It is for you. It is perfect. It's everything that you're going to need. And not only that, it's punctual. It comes at the exact right time and not a moment before and not a moment late. Because here's the reality. In the one place where God gave the same thing for everyone. Is that God's provision came in the son that he was willing to give up. I've already told you, Moriah is where Isaac was spared. Where the temple was built. But where God's only son was not. I believe that in the text, it emphasizes every time it talks about Isaac. It was his son, his only son. And God emphasizes that Jesus is his son, his only son, who he did not spare for you and I. And Jesus is personal. In particular, he is punctual. He is perfect. And my God, is he plentiful. And what God is building an image for you and I, uh, he's building this image for us in this moment of What I called Abraham to do, but I spared Abraham from, I was willing to do. Why? Because the blessing of saving his sons and daughters was on the other side of being obedient to death on a cross. And that is exactly why Jesus can say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Because he is the one perfect spotless lamb of God. And I can believe in a God who loves his people so much that the despair that he saved Abraham from, he was willing to take on himself because of his love for his people. And he knew That only Jesus could be the sacrifice. And Jesus, knowing what the sacrifice would produce, was willing to die. Paul says, not only die, but die a death on the cross. And if you're not sure if God's a provider. He's provided not only everything you need here. But he's provided everything you need for eternity in his son. It is perfect and complete and whole. And now because of what Jesus has done for us, we respond to him. We respond to how he is our provision. We respond to what he has done and it is out of love, not owing, that we now love and serve him. And the same God who died for you on Moriah is waiting for you at the top of your mountain. And if you have a God who is so willing to send his son to die for you and his son was willing to die for you, and remember when Isaac carries the wood? What does Jesus carry? His cross. This is crazy. <laughs> the kind of love that we are hearing. If everyone says Christianity is not a religion of love, it doesn't get Christianity. And so the question is for you and I, what step is God calling you to take? What mountain is before you that you are dreading, but there's blessing on the other side of obedience? And the ram in the thicket doesn't show up until the moment at the top. Do you believe that his provision is waiting for you? And for some of us in this room, you've never accepted the true provision of God, his son. His son who lived the life you should have lived and died the death you deserve to die. But he rose again because sin in the grave and death had nothing on him. And he makes it so simple. He says, let's make an exchange. You give me your sin, your shame, your guilt, your fear, your anger, your hurt. And I'll take that to Calvary for you. And I will bear the weight of all of that because I love you. And in place of that, I will give you my love, my grace, my peace, and my perfection. And so let's make a deal. And the Bible says it's so easy. You don't have to go to a mountain and make a sacrifice. He already did. You just need to simply believe that Jesus died for you. And you receive that by faith. And say, I believe that mountaintop was for me too. See, all of us died on Moriah a little bit, but all of us can rise again and be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And so have you accepted his provision? I don't think there's a better name of God to finish with. And you know, our next series is gonna go into church hurt because man, we're hurting some people. And here's what it is. It's not gonna be how the church is right and your hurt is stupid. It's going to be, your hurt is real, your healing is possible, and this is who we're called to be. And so if you know people who don't step foot in church because of all the hurt and all these things, this probably is the series for them. And probably God has something in it for you. I've been hurt by the church. Well, let me rephrase this. I've been hurt by people in the church. And so we've got to get some healing. And I believe that God's provision will meet us all every step of the way in this next series. And so as we get ready to sing, would you just pray with me for just a second? But I pray today. Last night, the altar was full because people, we just said, maybe tonight your first step of faith is to bring it down here. To pray to him, to seek him, and to follow him today. Or in your chair, wherever you are, you can do this work. Just call out to him. Your words don't need to be perfect. They just need to be honest. So Lord, we pray now and we thank you that you're the God of the mountaintop and that your provision and everything that we need is at the top of the place where we are so scared to ascend to. But God, would you give us faith like Abraham? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart of courage to walk forward? Because not only are we walking towards these moments, but we're walking towards our provision. We're walking towards what you have for us. And God, I believe in this moment, everything that we need when we get there is in you. That you will provide everything that we need, every part of the process, every part of the way you're gonna provide. And yes, it's gonna be hard, but God, the blessing is worth it. The healing is worth it. The trust, the lack of fear, all of it is worth it. We just need to walk up the mountain with you. And so God, whatever Mariah we are facing, mountain that seems too high to climb too hard to get there, pick us up if you need to, Lord. We want to get there. And when our hearts and our flesh is unwilling would your spirit intervene and give us the strength that we need to walk up this hill? Your victory is there. Your provision is there. And we believe, God, that you raise things from the dead. And so, Lord, if there's anyone in here, today's that day for them that they need to be raised again spiritually in new life to be made alive in you by believing in your son. I pray that you give every single person in here the courage that needs to do that to do that. Give them the faith to believe that you're on the mountaintop. And I pray that they would cry out to you for salvation. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you because you are so worthy. You are so holy. In Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.